I think you're really going to like this 10th episode of STEM, Insider Tips for Greenhouse Pros. I'm Bill Calkins, and my guest today is Scott Roosh, the Product Development Director of Pan American Seed. Our topic is WAVE, a fascinating history lesson, current grower, retailer, and consumer solutions, and what to expect in the near future from what I consider the top annual product brand in our industry. I keep wanting to say WAVE Petunias, but as you'll hear in this episode, recent expansion into the Pansy class with Cool Wave is a strategic move that's opened up new markets for growers and retailers. I love the story of how Wave Petunias came to market and was excited to learn even more about the power of global collaboration from Scott. And our grower listeners will appreciate not only the deep dive we take into the different Wave Petunia family members, but also some of the new cultural and technical tips from Scott. We discuss the current breeding direction and some of the products resulting from extensive global trials, as well as looking at new releases on track for 2020, which marks the brand's 25th anniversary. You can't talk about Wave without touching on the massive consumer marketing campaign that creates hundreds of millions of impressions each year, and Scott is kind enough to share some of the latest marketing plans, including Pandora Radio. As I mentioned before, Wave extends beyond petunias, and we spend plenty of time talking about cool wave pansies and how everyone in the industry can capitalize on the easy spreading color this genetic breakthrough brings to the table. With new additions for spring and fall color palettes, the assortment continues to evolve and sales continue to grow. There's so much going on with Wave. It was hard to limit our discussion to 40 minutes, but we did. So here goes. Wait, but first, Connect Four, where we take a look at four ideas lining up to support one key industry topic. It seems like all the industry is talking about labor these days, for many reasons. We've covered this in previous STEM episodes, but the topic isn't going away and the discussion isn't slowing down, so I'll continue to bring it up. In this edition of Connect Four, I want to bring up four points I recently read in a Forbes magazine article about millennial employees. The article was titled, Five Things Millennial Employees Want More Than a Fat Paycheck. And although none of the content was what I'd consider groundbreaking, I think these four points are worth repeating until we all have them memorized. And the data's in. More than 21% of millennial employees changed jobs in the past year. They're job jumpers. So the trick is keeping them on board, because recruiting and training costs a ton. First, finding a good fit increases your chance of longevity with that employee. Thanks to social media marketing and all of the data available, looking for compatible people is easier than ever before and can allow you to narrow down a group of applicants. Also, Team interviewing can bring a sense of involvement to everyone involved and help weed out candidates who might clash. Identify the important parts of your company culture and use this knowledge to craft careful interview questions. Bottom line, don't just go through the motions. Use tools and tactics to identify candidates who will fit in. Next, also related to company culture is your company culture. Nobody wants to work in a toxic, negative culture and today's young employees just don't tolerate it like past generations. They will jump ship quickly. Companies with highly rated company culture tend to be the ones that are growing these days. Talk to your current employees and ask about the culture. Don't assume you know what's being said behind the scenes. Acceptance of diversity, pride and enthusiasm for work done, timely and honest communication, being innovative and competitive within the industry, and investment in education and training all come up when talking to millennials who are happy with their jobs. Third, offering schedule flexibility. I know this one seems really challenging, especially in our seasonal businesses. 
but there are plenty of ways to be flexible. Maybe during busy season, your employees can earn time off by performing certain tasks, working extra hours, or other creative strategies. Perhaps there are times when jobs can be completed remotely. Another concept taking hold is results only. Basically, your staff only gets paid for what they accomplish. Another concept I've read about lately is job sharing, where one job function is completed by two individuals who work in tandem, capitalizing on the flexibility this time creates. There are as many strategies out there as there are unique personal needs. Bottom line, be flexible and your team will appreciate it. The final chip in our game of Connect4 is mentoring. Millennials want to move forward in the company and crave feedback and interaction. Managers must remember this and consciously work time to talk to their team into the weekly, if not daily, schedule. Partner millennial employees up with mentors that you've identified as having the time and passion it takes to work with new team members. And make sure they stick with it for two years. Starting to mentor and then bailing is worse than not starting at all. Help younger employees delve into big issues and challenges and they'll feel engaged with your company. Help plan their path in terms of career development and they won't go looking for new jobs as quickly. These are just four tips for what's a challenge that books are written about these days. If this is a topic that concerns you or one you feel is critical to your business, I'll include a link to the short Forbes article in the show notes and you can start there. Beyond that, there are so many resources and articles available online. Consider taking some time when the season winds down to take a deep dive into millennial employee retention. I suspect it will pay off, and then some. It's my pleasure to welcome Scott Roosh to STEM. This June marks 17 years at Pan American Seed for Scott. He started in 2001 as the PAS sales rep for Ball Seed, traveling throughout North America to support their products. After getting a good handle on the U.S. market, he spent a year in Japan working for M&B Flora, managing Pan American products and learning about the unique product needs of that market. Pansy, Viola, Vinca are all key products in Japan and Southeast Asia, so he incorporated that knowledge from U.S. and Japanese markets to his next position as the global product manager at Pan Am's breeding station in Santa Paula, California. Throughout 10 years in that role, Scott was responsible for introducing Matrix Pansies, Sorbet XP Viola, Aquila Osteospermum, Dash and Jolt Dianthus, Zahara and Double Zahara Zinnias, and Cool Wave Pansies. In more recent years, he's moved into a global leadership position for Pan American as the product development director, responsible for the entire commercial assortment for Pan Am and Kieft Seed, leading the charge bringing new varieties to market. In his words, working with the best breeders and product teams in the world. Scott, it is my pleasure to welcome you to STEM. Thanks, Bill. It's awesome to be here. I can't wait to uh, talk to you and your listeners about what's going on with Wave. Cool. So first off, just to kind of get get the background story, tell me a little bit about your role in relation to Wave and also What's your favorite wave variety or mix? You guys have tons of individual colors, tons of mixes. I've got to believe you've seen them all in action. Yeah, I think I have seen just about every single one in action. Um, in my role as the product development director, I see trials with our breeder and product manager multiple times throughout the year. 
Uh, and what I really focus on uh, with them is talking about the strategy for the future, uh, things that we need to keep screening for, for consumer performance, landscape performance, and growers' needs, um, and uh, and really push those efforts. Lisa and Ping, uh, Lisa Lacey, our product manager, and Ping Ren, our breeder, are really in charge of making sure that the product meets the standards and they do all the trialing, et cetera. Um, although when we're in trials together, I am not a very shy uh, guy when it comes to my opinions. So uh, we always have a good back and forth about what I think looks good and what they think looks uh, good as well. So um, we do see a lot of trials. In fact, Lisa and I were chatting last year and we estimate that we see a wave variety about 70 times before we put it into the wave brand and bring it forward to introduction. So it's a very thoroughly vetted product. Um, your other question was, oh yeah, the uh, my favorite variety. Yeah, definitely. I'm in, I'm interested. Yeah, I think my favorite wave petunia is Easy Wave Yellow. Um, it's just unstoppable, and I think it's the best petunia, a uh, yellow petunia uh, on the planet, um, and probably the best all-around petunia. I've seen it um, in field trials bounce back from being flooded multiple times, you know, six inches of rain, uh, six inches of standing water on it. And then a couple of weeks later, it was like one of the only ones alive in the field. So it's, it's a monster for performance. Um, and it's also really nice in combinations too. Um, you know, like our new plug and play lemon dream combo, it looks really good in that. So it does what we say it should do. It's a rock star for the consumer. Uh, and then it also has other applications for baskets or combinations as well. So I'm going with Easy Wave Yellow. Wow, totally caught me off guard. A yellow petunia being the best all around. That, that's something that uh, is really cool to hear, especially being in the Wave brand. So awesome. Yeah. Thank you. I have grown Easy Wave Yellow, and I agree it is an absolute rock star. So. But I'm going to have to add more since it's the best all around. Yeah, sounds good. So it's exciting to talk about what I would consider the industry's best known brand and one that's been around for a long time. I understand it's turning 25 in the year 2020. That is longer than I would have guessed, but uh, that's that's awesome. Um, you talked a little bit about the consumer and landscape performance, which I think is extremely critical to this product being an awesome performer, both in commercial landscapes and in the home garden. So. Tell me a little bit about the story. Who discovered Wave? Um, who developed the plant? And when did the real the concept for a branded and marketed program come about? I know there's a lot to it, but we've got plenty of time. Yeah, sure. No, it's it's and it's a really interesting story too. And I think it speaks to the power of collaboration just in general. I believe really strongly in collaborating with internal people and external people. Uh, and I think um, collaboration is really uh, the reason that we have Wave Petunias today. So it started off by uh, being bred by a brewing company in Japan called Kirin Brewing Company. Um, and they had a breeder who was starting to play around with flowers and specifically petunias. Um, and the first Wave Petunia was introduced uh, actually as an All-America Selections winner in 1995, hence the um, the 25-year uh, anniversary that's coming up. Uh, and that was the original Wave Purple. Uh, and today we sell that as Wave Purple Classic. Um, the breeder at Kirin, uh, his name was Takashita-san, and he was the original creator of Purple Wave Classic, which is really a cross of uh, a different species uh, or relative in Petunia, and that's where that added performance is coming in. So he was really the, the originator of that original really special, special genetic. 
Um, and then my former supervisor, actually, Ben Walraven, who was doing sales and marketing at the time uh, for Pan American Seed, uh, came upon this and came upon this opportunity uh, to to market it um, globally. Uh, well, with the exception of Japan, Kieran took care of that in uh, the Japanese market, but uh, Ben uh, was able to negotiate and get the rights to, to do this globally. Uh, and our breeding team uh, out in Elburn here, just outside of uh, Chicago, uh, including Ellen Loya and Mike Uckneat, really started taking over uh, a joint breeding effort. So for many years, we bred jointly with uh, Kieran. Some of the hybrids going into Wave were uh, bred by Kieran. Some of them were half bred by Kieran and half bred by Pan American, uh, which was really interesting. And then some of them over time were fully bred by Pan American. Um, uh, throughout the years. So it was really powerful collaboration. We had really good transparency between the companies, uh, and that's what allowed us to work together and get the best performing petunia, uh, I think, really introduced uh, well in, in the North American market. Um, more recently, uh, in 2001, our current breeder, uh, Ping Ren, took over, and she was uh, really critical in taking the program forward to the next level, finalizing what we call Easy Wave, uh, introducing Shock Wave uh, as well, and continuing to increase the durability uh, and uh, increase the performance of Wave Petunias uh, all along. So um, it was a really it was a really long um, history, uh, and we're continuing to put resource into breeding, into trialing, and into marketing just because it's it's such a great performer in trials and we're uh, still convinced it's the best uh, petunia um, for the grower, uh, for the gardener, and for the landscaper. You know, you talk about the power of collaboration. I think that's an understatement because you just told me that this breeding partnership was done across the world. So how does, like physically, how, do, how does that work? How does plant material get from here to there how do two teams working you know a world apart get together on, on on the genetics yeah it's a it's a really uh that's an interesting question and it's probably a little bit above my pay grade but i'll try to explain it the best i can um all of the wave petunias and most of the products we develop at pan american are hybrids uh and so the way you develop a hybrid is develop two uh parent lines for unique traits uh, and then once they're uniform, you cross them together, uh, hopefully to create a, a, a better product overall, uh, basically taking the best of both worlds of some of the parents. So uh, in the collaborative hybrids, let's say, um, we would literally have parent lines that Pan American would develop with our breeding team uh, and uh, parent lines that Kieran had developed. And we would do the crossing uh, in Elburn to create what we call the joint hybrid. So we're taking parent lines uh, from their nursery and crossing them with ours to create these joint hybrids. Um, and that was, uh, it was really kind of cool in a, in a unique way. And I think the breeding team at Kieran and the breeding team at Pan American, had they been restricted to only their own nurseries, they wouldn't have made as much progress as quickly. It was really uh, an interesting way to, um, to collaborate and share and, uh, make faster progress together. Wow, that is absolutely fascinating to me. I just I think that's so cool. That could almost be its own podcast in and of itself. Um, well, we're going to do that. We're going to have to get, uh, you know, Ping or <laughs> Jason 
Andrew, who's in charge of our breeding, to uh, to go into more details. Because again, that's just my view of what was going on in the background. Gotcha. I'm making a note of that. I think Jason and Ping might be really cool guests in the future. We've talked a little bit to some breeders from the Ball Flora Plant team, um, but I, I do think, especially uh, knowing the long history of uh, some of the Pan American products, that yeah. All right, that one's on the list. Sounds good. So, let's talk a little bit about the the Petunia series because. You know, I, my, my experience is mostly in retail, so I see a lot of these products at the garden center level. I know that there are different family members. Um, what does the Wave lineup look like these days? What are the best sellers, um, maybe looking at the different segments of the market? And are there, you know, what you would consider underrated or underutilized Waves out there? Yeah, absolutely. And I think, uh, yeah, that's a, a long question. So let me think about that for a second. So let's start. Uh, let's start with the different family members and uh, kind of go from there. Um, so I always like to explain the wave assortment kind of from biggest to smallest. So uh, from on the biggest end, uh, that's tidal wave. So tidal wave essentially grows really to whatever space you give it. Uh, it grows as tall as it does. It grows wide. So generally we're thinking three to four feet kind of in all directions. Um, all of that being said, I have seen it trellis up uh, a wall and a fence, you know, six feet or more. So it kind of, it kind of just continues to grow. Uh, it's very unstoppable in my opinion. Um, and it's really best for the large container uh, and especially for the landscape segment. That's a, it's a really great, um, a really great item. I think it would be used more in retail, but it's a little bit hard to control because of that vigorous growth early on. So it's not always the, the most grower friendly uh, to put in uh, retail, um, but it's essentially unstoppable otherwise. Um, then we get to Wave. So this is the original uh, original Wave that started them all. And it, uh, it spreads three to four feet uh, in a season uh, and only gets about six to eight inches high. So that is kind of that flowering carpet that uh, consumers and landscapers know and love uh, and really what drew everybody to Wave Petunias in the first place. Um, Next, we would have Easy Wave, uh, and this is a little bit less daylight sensitive than Wave uh, and Tidal Wave, so it's easier to handle uh, in production for growers. Um, Easy Wave spread about three feet in the garden or the container that they're planted in, and they have a slightly more mounded habit than the original Wave, which makes them really kind of ideal for baskets, uh, six-inch quarts and packs at retail. Um, and it also has the broadest color range of the Wave family uh, and has it is our top selling series uh, and has most of the top selling varieties in it. So that's really the one that has been uh, the focus. And I think most growers who are listening would uh, be the most familiar with is the Easy Wave, um, Easy Wave assortment. Uh, as we look at uh, the next uh, series, it's called Shockwave. And this is the least day length sensitive a variety. It's also a little bit more compact. Uh, it's probably spreading up to three feet, but let's say it's not going to go as far as three and a half or four feet, kind of like an easy wave or a wave will. Um, uh, so again, least day length sensitive, uh, a little bit less spread, but it has a, a little bit smaller flower as well. Uh, and the reason we developed Shockwave uh, is really for that early season sales segment. It's earlier to flower, so growers can more easily get it into flower early season. Uh, the consumer benefit, though, however, of that smaller flower is um, is also important, I think, to to mention because it does hold up 
better in the rain, in the weather, uh, and even early season, if a consumer gets a little bit of light frost, it does bounce back faster than, uh, uh, than any other petunias as well. So there's that consumer angle to consider as well. So I like to consider um, shockwave kind of for that early spring market, easy wave for the main season, and then wave and tidal wave are really best to put into retail uh, late spring uh, when the days are getting longer uh, and uh, they're easier to grow that way. Um, you had also asked about what most underutilized, and yeah, I would have. What are, what are the what are the ones that uh, yeah? What's the most underutilized or underappreciated wave in your opinion? I think as it relates to performance of the product and to actual volume that's sold within North America, tidal wave kind of fits the bill. Um, again, the performance of it is so outstanding. Um, I realize why most growers uh, have challenges with putting it in at retail because it is so vigorous and it has a long day requirement. Um, but uh, from a consumer perspective, I think any consumer that got their hands on Tidal Wave uh, wouldn't ever grow another petunia because <laughs> um, it's it's just such an outstanding performer. Um, yeah, I'd go with Tidal Wave, underutilized, uh, but I know why it is underutilized. <laughs> Yeah, and I and I would echo that sentiment when I when I talk to landscapers and, and home gardeners and, and garden centers that have tried tidal wave. A lot of them, oh, they keep going back to it year to year. Solomon gallons and their customers come back after that product if they've ever used it in the past. So, um, I love tidal wave. Tidal wave silver and the red are are phenomenal uh, plants. And yeah, that's that's cool. So. Any growers out there who haven't uh, tried Tidal Wave, if you're growing for your own retail, if you're growing for landscape market, that is certainly one to uh, to get your hands on. So yeah. talk a little bit, I don't want to spend too much time on consumer marketing messages because this really is a, a podcast for growers, but I know that Pan American spends a lot of money and generates tons and tons of exposure for the brand every year. Um, where, where do home gardeners see these messages and, you know, do you guys do you guys feel you must since you're spending money on it? Do, but do you feel they drive people to garden centers to buy more waves? Yeah, I uh, I absolutely do. I think our marketing efforts, uh, led by Claire Josephson, have really been uh, you know quite relevant and targeted, especially for uh, future consumers uh, going forward. So I know we try and create awareness for wave in um, all different types of relevant relevant environments. Um, so we're looking for primarily digital, uh, as well as radio advertising to uh, best connect with our target audience. Uh, and we're going after that, um, you know, millennial gardener, the, the colorful gardener, uh, really all segments of, of uh, the retail. Um, well, you're probably more versed in how to, but you know, people who are buying plants, more or less. Um, we want them to see the brand, uh, be receptive uh, to it, and then of course, become engaged and buy some. Um, so we, uh, we focus our digital um, efforts. Uh, you'll hear digital audio on Pandora, for example. Uh, we do banner ads on Better Homes and Gardens. Uh, we have Wave popping up in Google searches. Um, I think that was new either last year or maybe the year before. Uh, and we're also very active uh, in paid search on Yahoo and Google email ads as well. Um, and as it relates to getting the timing right, uh, across the country because it is a, a brand we try to promote uh, uh, all throughout the United States uh, and Canada. We, uh, you know, we use weather triggers in our digital promotions to, um, you know, target the 
the most relevant time period for when uh, consumers should be in stores. Um, as it relates to peer numbers, we're looking at about 32 million relevant uh, paid media impressions uh, a year, about 200 million PR impressions. Uh, that's what we achieved in the 2018 season uh, overall. Um, and so that's a lot of people hearing about wave petunias uh, every year. Um, so I think, uh, yeah, I think that about covers it. Uh, oh, I forgot about social media. Um, yeah, we do have a, a quite active social media community and we are online, uh, at, uh, waverave.com. We've got a wave petunia Facebook page. Uh, we're at wave petunias on Twitter, uh, hashtag wave gardening on Instagram uh, and wave gardening on YouTube. So we're, we're also using uh, the power of social media to, to talk about wave petunias as well. Um, no, yeah. I think that 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 makes total sense because you've got a, a certainly a an existing fan club of Wave that probably skews a little bit older, and then now you're spending your your marketing dollars to attract that next generation of gardener, because you know as as everyone knows, once you planted a Wave, you can kind of get you hooked on gardening because your your chance of success is very high with with Wave petunias. So. Makes yeah, sense. You know, I think that growers appreciate uh, any dollars spent in marketing these products to the end consumer. It just drives uh, drives the product right through the market. So thank you for all of that information. 200 million impressions. You can't go wrong with that. Yeah. And I think one other thing I'd like to, to piggyback onto that comment, you know, with the, the older uh, generation gardeners, it's interesting to see them and the way they use social media. And in a lot of cases, they're helping out some of the, the newer gardeners on say our wave Facebook page or on Twitter and stuff. So it's interesting to see people helping other people get hooked on wave petunias. That's cool. It is, it is something that you can transfer that knowledge from generation to generation. Yeah. So, and when waves, one of those products for sure. Yeah. So, okay. So we've talked about wave petunias a lot. You've talked about the different families. Um, but let's talk a little bit about brand extension. I know it can be a scary thing, especially with an established, um, a brand with such, uh, with such, you know, being so well known, but I know that Pan Americans expanded into pansies with the development and launch of cool waves. And I know that that's a product line that's sort of near and dear to your heart. Um, what can you tell us about why Pan American decided to extend the wave brand into pansies and then a little bit about that product line? Yeah, sure. And yeah, you're right. I was uh, very uh, instrumental in that. That was one of the main products I worked on with our breeder, uh, Troy Thorup. Um, and uh, it's kind of an interesting story, similar to uh, similar to what we talked about with Wave Petunias. So there were a lot of parallels when we looked at the Cool Wave, well, what we now call Cool Wave. Originally, it was interspecific trailing pansy hybrid dot, dot, dot. Um, but, uh, you know, our breeder, Troy Thorup, had really developed some um, what, in my opinion, I had seen a lot of pansies, literally thousands of new hybrids every year in pansy and viola. Um, and when I went to our breeding station and I saw some of the first hybrids that became Cool Wave, I was just blown away. Um, they clearly were not your regular pansy. And we achieved that by crossing into other species uh, in the viola genus to get that added performance. Um, and we saw a spread of five to six times uh uh, that of a standard pansy or a standard viola. So there was a lot of parallels between uh, wave petunias and how they were developed with, you know, the the better spread, the faster fill, the better performance. 
um, and uh, all of that coming from crossing into another species uh, in petunia. So um, we we really saw a lot of parallels and we thought, well, it does the same thing as a wave petunia and it really conveys the same message that we want to uh, to a consumer, which is that easy spreading color. You put it in the garden or you put it in a basket or you put it in a container and it just grows. You don't have to worry about it too much. Um, it takes care of it itself and it provides you that season long color impact that you're after. Um, I think there was a couple of other things that were pretty impressive about Cool Wave, and that was um, we found out through trialing that it was Zone 5 Hardy. So consumers plant it in fall, it gets established, they get a season of color there, goes through the winter, and they get another season of color in the spring as their tulips are coming up and before they really get going with Wave Petunias in the spring. So it uh, that, cr- that created, I think, another angle and really spoke to the the hardiness and the, the overall performance uh, of Cool Wave as well. So uh, one thing I'd like to recommend your viewers take a look at uh, that they they may uh, they may not have seen yet. Uh, we did a time lapse uh, two years ago, um, maybe three years ago already. It was during the the snow apocalypse, one of the snow apocalypse winters in Chicago, uh, and it's on our YouTube channel. And it shows the performance of a Cool Wave pansy versus a standard pansy. Um, and once you watch that. And that's really what I saw about eight years ago in the field trials. You have a really instant visual about why we believe in the product and decided to put all the effort in breeding uh, and then uh, also dollars into marketing it throughout the chain. And I'll put a link to that uh, YouTube video in the show notes for sure. I, I can picture it in my head. It was really, really dramatic. Um, that That's awesome. And, I, and that makes sense. You know, easy spreading color that, that Cool Wave really fits that message, I suppose, um, if you guys could come up with a marigold that spreads four feet, maybe it would uh, fall into the, the next wave category. But it kind of explains why you guys haven't extended that brand into too many other uh, classes because it really has to fit that easy spreading color message. Yeah, for sure. And I, and I think, um, you know, as it relates to marigold or anything else, if we do, it needs to spread, but then also have that added performance characteristic as well. Those are two key uh, tenants of our brand promise for the consumer. Uh, and for the landscaper. So we've had a lot of other great products over the years. If you think of Dragonwing Begonia, it's equally as bulletproof, but it doesn't really do that spreading nature in ground. Um, Serena Angelonia is another amazing product too. Uh, so we do breed a lot of really great performing varieties. Uh, and some of them we choose to do more individual product, uh, you know, brand approaches, you know, promoting those more to growers, uh, where in this case with Wave, we have a very targeted, I think, um, an effective uh, consumer approach as well. Absolutely. So knowing that STEM is really a podcast for growers, and although most of our listeners have probably grown a wave crop or hundreds of wave crops over the years, um, can you share any best practices for sending the, the best plants to market? Maybe any new cultural research that Pan Am's doing that's showing a bunch of benefits? Um, that can go for wave petunias or cool wave pansies i think our listeners are going to appreciate any advice that you can share yeah absolutely um first i'll speak to the petunias uh and i think the 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 main thing i'd like to draw everyone's attention to that really helps you out is understanding the different day length responses of the wave family um if you're you know if you've got lighting in your greenhouse and you're lighting 14 hours uh in spring you can pretty much grow any of the waves you want any any time of year um but if not 
and you do careful variety selection based on the day length response, um, that is critical. Because um, if you grow tidal wave red velour, which is an amazing variety, and it has a, a very long, uh, a very uh, um, strong long day response to flowering, and you try to put that in, you know, early spring, you're going to struggle with that. It's going to keep growing and growing and growing, and you're going to have to apply more and more PGRs. And then in the end, you end up with this long stick uh, with one bloom on the end, and you're probably not very satisfied with that. Um, so there is a wealth of a knowledge and a day-length chart by variety on uh, panmc.com. Uh, also, we have grower facts that detail the... Um, the by variety day length, uh, as well as our PGR recommendations. Um, so I really want to draw everybody to that. Like there, there, there are some differences. Generally, we talked about those a little bit. Wave and tidal wave are your long longest um, day length uh, required varieties. So if you plan those for late spring in retail, you'll help yourself a lot. Easy wave for your main spring markets. Uh, and then shockwave for early, I think that'll help. But within each of those series, it really helps to know which varieties are 11-hour day length and which varieties are 13 uh, to uh, get yourself on the right track. And again, all of that's on our website at panmc.com. And uh, it's really, there's a lot of other new research. Our, our product manager, Lisa Lacey, and our culture research manager, Bean Liu, they, uh, they have trials on wave petunias pretty much every quarter uh, and they always get the most relevant PGR recommendations uh, on on our website and it's probably too technical for me to talk about because I wasn't directly mm -hmm. involved with that um, but they're they're great resources and I know they're updating uh, online uh, every year uh, as it relates to cool wave pansies uh, I think I can give two main tips uh, for success uh, the best recommendation I can uh, get everybody started off with is to look at your fertilizer program. Uh, a lot of growers try to restrict stretch in pansies by cutting back on the feed. Uh, as it relates to cool wave, they, they are a more vigorous plant. They have a lot more branches, uh, and they do really require that more normal or higher feed regime than you're used to doing with a standard pansy. So um, I would feed your cool wave pansy more like a petunia, and it'll perform much better. Uh, the other key tip, especially for summer and fall sales, um, is to use a light rate uh, paclobutrazole, or you know, also known as bonsai, uh, at a 0.1 parts per million drench, and that's again 0.1. Uh, it's a very light rate. If you go to point, you know, 0.25 or 0.5 or God forbid one part per million, uh, that plant will never grow again. Uh, so you, you got to be careful, but a very light rate, uh, paclobutrazole drench in the summer production for fall sales really helps. Um, it will help you control the stretch, uh, and it also extend the shelf life at retail just in case there's, you know, uh, you know, a bad weekend that bonsai, you'll be glad you had that bonsai drench on there. And at that rate, it grows out very effectively for the consumer. So you don't have to worry about any detrimental effects. But if you go to the 0.5 rate, or let's say a one part per million, which I do not recommend, we've grown those out in the field to see what it would happen with a consumer and they just sit there. So definitely a very light, um, a very light rate of uh, paclobutrazole drench will will do wonders and we have all the details for that in our cool wave grower facts and our culture guides again at panmc.com um, 
as well. Great. And again, I will put all those links in the show notes. I think there's two really interesting things that you pointed out there. First of all, this is an ongoing breeding program, right? You guys are looking at trials every year and continue to fine-tune um, this, this product line for both growers and end users. And I also think that the other uh, really important thing that you shared there was that there are intricacies between the series, so it's a matter of um, you know, looking at, at what your end goal is as a grower and then working with, uh, with your Pan Am resources to, to go back through and select the, the right varieties to hit your markets on time. Um, knowing that, uh, like I said, this is ongoing breeding, breeders really never sit still when the demand for a product line continues to, uh, to grow and you look at new markets um, like these younger gardeners. I know your breeders are probably in the lab working hard to bring new innovations to market. So you got to tell us what's next. Yeah. You share any current future pro- projects that, that just to get our listeners excited about the pipeline when it comes to wave or cool wave um, and, and what to look for next. Yeah, well, it's it's actually a really good question and pretty timely because we've just gone through another spring trialing season. And so Lisa and Ping and I have seen, uh, you know, trials here in Chicago, out in California, uh, at uh, various growers throughout, the, uh, throughout North America, uh, in Europe as well. So I've just seen what's next in wave petunias and i'm happy to talk to uh, to you guys about it uh, i guess to answer the question more broadly our main focus is really to just continue to push the boundaries on that durability for the consumer so ping has worked into our breeding program um multiple screens uh at the grower level and uh container trials in-ground trials overhead watering trials uh you name it we're really putting it through uh, the ringers. And we hope to, with that increased pressure in our breeding program, uh, continue to make them even more durable going forward. Um, as far as uh, new, uh, let's say specific new products that are coming, um, kind of just in time for the 25th anniversary of WAVE uh, in 2020, uh, we'll have for sure probably two new uh, varieties in uh, wave petunias. One uh, is called Easy Wave Lavender Sky Blue, uh, and it gets us a really awesome new bright spring color that we haven't uh, really had in wave petunias before in, in any of the series. Uh, so it's uh, it's it's that color I think is that sky blue color I think has been around in some of the vegetative varieties before, uh, but we've never seen one that had the uh, performance. Uh, that it needed to have for for wave petunias, so that's pretty exciting because it's a um, it's a color class we haven't had before, and it's a way for growers to simplify their lives if they've been growing wave petunias, but then they had to buy in say a vegetative uh, sky blue. Now they can get it all uh, with the Easy Wave Lavender Sky uh, Blue, um, and we've I just saw it at some grower trials a few weeks ago. It was looking awesome there. We've got production coming in. Uh, and uh, we haven't finalized our introductions list. That happens uh, around uh, uh, happens this summer, um, but it's on track for full sample programs in spring 19, uh, and then showing it at CAST next year uh, in North America, and then at flower trials in Europe uh, next year as well. So that's pretty exciting. Um, and then the other new variety that's coming along is uh, we've been calling it Carmine Velour. Uh, and this would go into the wave program. This will be the first new wave color that we've introduced in a, in quite some time, actually, probably 10 or more years, because we have been focused so much on shockwave and easy wave and some of the other newer uh, series. 
Um, but the Carmine Velour is really unique because it's exactly like Purple Wave or what we call now as Purple Wave Classic, the original, you know, the original Mamma Jamma that started it all. And uh, but the color is really unique because it's got that uh, we've crossed in that green gene that uh, we've developed. And it, it gives this really rich, bright color, uh, similar to uh, some of the Easy Waves. You know, we have the Red Velour and the Berry Velour and Easy Wave. And this Carmine Velour really stands out in the landscape. Um, and I saw it at a landscape grower in, um, in Virginia a couple weeks ago. And it was uh, in our trialing program. And it looked really nice there, too, uh, as well as in our internal trials. So it's kind of cool that 25 years later, um, you know, we're still bringing products like that Purple Wave Classic that started it all uh, to the market. Um, and we think we're going to be successful just because it's got that same great landscape performance as well. Um, more broadly than that, on the petunias, we're working on uh, bicolors, bringing on new new and exciting patterns um, as well. So, uh, But none of those have really made it through the trialing program yet, so I don't want to get people too excited. Um, but yeah, definitely look for Easy Wave Lavender Sky Blue and Wave Carmine Velour um, trial seed this coming spring. Uh, and hopefully, if everything goes well, we'll show it as a full introduction at CAST 2019. That's cool. And one of the things I've always liked most about Pan American is that you guys do your due diligence. You do the trialing. You're not going to bring a product in and put the wave name on it when, when it's not ready for market. So um, I think that growers especially appreciate that. So kudos to you guys. Um, I can't wait to see bicolors and patterns, but anything in the velour uh, range is exciting to me. I love red velour. Red's my favorite color. Red velour is my favorite. Easy wave. Um, so Carmine Velour, I'm on it. Sounds awesome. Nice. So yeah, lastly, also, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, you had just also ask about Cool Wave. Um, brief, uh, next year, we also have two pretty exciting introductions on Cool Wave, too. Um, so we've got a uh, bi two bicolors. One's like a yellow, cream, and pink, and the other's a yellow and rose. Uh, that's what we call them on the breeder side. But uh, yeah. I think Claire Josephson, our marketing manager, has finalized the names as Cool Wave Strawberry Swirl and Raspberry Swirl, uh, which should be more fun for consumers. But they're really interesting new patterns. And again, bringing that pink and rose color into that series, I think, should help uh, sales opportunities, particularly for spring when people are looking for, um, you know, basket products for early spring, say, uh, um, Easter or Mother's Day uh, time period. Those two new colors um, should be pretty useful for that. Uh, and again, they'll have, we'll have sample seed available for those, uh, let's say in October, uh, if anybody wanted to trial them for spring 2019 and full, uh, full launch at cast 2019. Cool. And you know, it, with, with cool wave, it is neat that you guys have distinct color ranges for spring and fall, uh, production. I, I know that, um, having a couple of new colors for spring is going to be exciting too. That that's awesome. Yeah. So lastly, what, what haven't we covered? I mean, we've talked a lot about both Wave and Cool Wave, the past, the present, the future. Is there anything that we haven't covered, any grower or retailer topics that we've left on the table before we wrap it up here, Scott? Um, yeah, I think one thing that has been pretty interesting is how we've been able to use uh, Cool Wave and uh, Wave Petunias as well in our, our new plug-and-play combinations program uh, and our fusibles specifically. Uh, this last year, we introduced several new uh, combos uh, with Cool Wave pansies, which is our first uh, ever combinations with um, with the Cool Waves. We've uh, we've really seen a strong response from 
uh, growers uh, on the plug and play concept because uh, they're easy to easy to follow recipes. Um, and again, just like the wave petunia trialing process, our product manager Mary O'Connor puts the combination actually through all of those stages. We test in the greenhouse first, then we test out on the the weed mat and the container all summer to ensure good consumer performance, and uh, and we go through a round of grower trialing prior to uh, fully introducing um, our uh, plug and play combos. So it's a it's a it's maybe an interesting way to look at some of the wave or cool wave varieties that you've been growing throughout the years and find a way to upsell them or upscale baskets and containers. Um, you know, we have a lot of great designer mixes uh, in both of those series or both of those, uh, I guess you should say, product lines. Um, but the combos that are coming out from plug and play uh, and fusibles really take up the uh, they really increase the uniformity and I think the the look. Uh, so for baskets and containers, I would look to the the plug and play and fusibles to uh, to give the consumer a more let's say polished look at retail than just growing the the standard mixes from seed. Um, so it's been really exciting to see what Mary's been able to do with plug and play. And a good part of the plug and play program uh, is built on the backbone of wave petunias and now cool wave pansies for uh, 2019. Cool. I've seen a lot of the the plug and play combos over the last uh, couple years, and you're right. It is it is that polished polished look that consumers are are looking for and starting to expect when it comes to baskets and and pots. Um, again, I know you guys have tons of online resources related to plug and play, and I will include those in the show notes as well. Um, what real quick? What is the difference between plug and play and fusible? Just because you talked about those two different programs, I know they're very distinct in the way that that they come to market. What? It, what? Just real quick before we wrap up, what's the difference between plug and play and fusible? Sure, absolutely. Well, uh, fusibles is actually a part of the plug and play program. So plug and play. Uh, if we have a plug and play combo, it's a recipe that is uh, designed from plugs. And if it's a fusible, we actually use uh, proprietary technology to literally glue three, four, five, six seeds together. And so uh, you can sew the um, the fusible in one plug, transplant it, and let's say you put three plugs in a in an eight inch, and you have the mix without actually having to mix separate plugs together. So the fusible is kind of like the uh, the one stop uh, shop. Uh, for, uh, I would say, easy easy to execute combos. Plug and play, uh, while they are also easy, <laughs> um, they take that little bit added step in the uh, production line where you have to plan uh, plant to the diagram. Um, but not everything can be done from a fusibles, uh, so we're, we're fairly limited in what we can do there. But it's an interesting technology, um, to, uh, to say the least. So I would look at both and see which works best for... Uh, your combination program, uh, and just know whichever one you choose. It's been trial and tested by uh, Mary O'Connor at Pan American Seed, and uh, it'll work. I think that that's probably a great way to wrap up. Pan American Seed, seed technology, it's two things that tend to go hand in hand when I think about what you, what you guys do. It's the trialing, it's the technology, and really bringing unique uh, products to market, um, especially within this wave and cool wave assortment. So thank you so much, Scott. If any of our listeners have questions or want to learn more about Wave, discuss their favorite varieties, make requests, 
get cultural or technical tips. I know we've talked a little bit about the resources available. Um, what's the best way to get in touch with you or the Wave support team? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, start with me. I can get you in the right hands. Uh, so my email address is s-r-u-s-c-h at panamc.com. Um, and I can get you going. I also have a Facebook page and I'm on LinkedIn and Twitter. So just search for Scott Roosh and I generally accept most people's friend requests. Uh, if you've got a, if you've got a normal looking profile photo, so <laughs> that's another way to, to do it too. Uh, and then for our culture resource and technical tips, uh, www.panamc.com is where to start right on the landing page. There's a big button on front that says culture and, uh, that'll take you to where you need to go. Excellent. Thank you so much, Scott, and to our STEM listeners, I'm sure that you're growing and selling Wave in some way, shape, or form already, but with all these new colors, multiple families, and so many mixes and new concepts, it is time to expand your offering to meet growing consumer demand with the current and next generation of gardeners. Thanks so much for listening to STEM, insider tips for greenhouse pros. I'm Bill Calkins, and you can always reach me by email at bcalkins at ballhort.com. B-C-A-L-K-I-N-S at B-A-L-L-H-O-R-T dot com. Or on Twitter at Bill Calkins. Be sure to follow Ballseed on LinkedIn for tons of B2B content related to STEM topics, timely technical tips, and more. And check out the show notes for links to even more content related to this episode, including culture tips and recommendations for growing your best wave and cool wave crops ever. Let's end this episode with a quote about what makes a strong consumer brand. I think this reminder from fashion design legend Donatella Versace is very clearly reflected by wave, which stays true to its original identity of easy spreading color while constantly adapting to the needs of growers, retailers, and consumers. It's very important for a brand to have an identity through the years, but it's very important as well to evolve because times change so fast.